Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hi, ladies. Uh, I have Alison Hartman with me again, and we're going to continue talking about that subject we talked about last week, raising our children to be adults. Mm. I hope you're getting inspired by this. I'd like to start off today with reading a scripture. It's Psalm 144, and let's see where we will start. Verse 11. David is praying here, and he says, Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children, whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. And why is he praying that? We've got to get rid of these strange kind of people who are filled with deceptions and who don't know how to work and whose right hand is the right hand of falsehood and they're not walking in truth. Why? So that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the multitude of a palace the similitude, sorry, of a palace. The lighting is so bad in this room. And then it goes on about the blessing of the nation, that our garners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in or going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. Don't you like that bit, Alison? Mm. No complaining in our streets. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. But David's prayer was, Oh God, deliver us from all that is false. Because we want a generation of young people who growing up mighty in God, God. And he talks about his sons, that our sons may be his plants, growing up in their youth. Do you love that, mm. Alison? Mm. It doesn't say growing up in their teens or growing mm. up in their adulthood, growing up yeah. in their youth. Now, that word youth uh, in the Greek is the Hebrew word that um, it actually means, um, it means, yeah, let me see. I think I, maybe I don't have it written here, um, but I do know the meaning. It's, it's the state of juvenility. Mm. In other words, it's, it's their time of being juvenile, which is up to about 18 years of age. Um, well, in our society, it is. Um, but that's juvenile. But here, it's talking about youth. So it means from childhood and even in their teens, they're growing up. I love the Young's literal translation of that scripture. Uh, it says here, because our sons are as plants becoming great in their youth. Mm. Isn't that wonderful? Dear mothers, 
Can you get a vision of that? Of your children, your sons becoming great even while they're young, becoming great in their youth, even in their juvenile state, whereas often they are very immature and uh, foolish. But no, God wants them to grow up learning to be adults, learning to be mature, becoming great in their youth. I I love to think of David going down there to the Israelite army and there's Goliath and he's challenging the Israelites and there's not one Israelite who is ready to face this giant. They're just quivering in their boots. If they had boots, I'm not sure. But anyway, but David goes down there and how old is he? Most commentators say he was only 17 years of age. You've got Ethan, he's 17. I mean, but here's this youth. He was but a youth and he challenges this giant. He kills that giant. He takes on that giant because this giant was blaspheming the name of his God and he would not have it. But you see, he, he was out there already taking responsibility. He already was out there on his own, looking after his father's flock and the sheep and uh, having to take responsibility to protect them. I mean, on more than one occasion, David tells the king how that, you know, I can go out and take this giant. I mean, I, I've taken on lions who've come to get hold of um, my little lambs. And he tells of one instance where he put his hand into them to the mouth of that lion and pulled out the little lamb. I mean, he, he was brave and he, he knew how to take responsibility and how to protect as a man, you know, not just a little boy. And so I I think especially in our society today, it it was a natural thing many years ago for young men to grow up being adults. I I mean, I think of stories my father told me. I mean, he was only a young teen, about 13 years of age, and he and his brother were moving. They were moving from one end of the island to the other. They were moving to a new farm. And it was miles and miles and miles and miles. And they had to bring all the cattle on horses. They're just young teens, you know, Mm. no adult with them. And taking on that responsibility was just normal. The fathers expected them to do that. Uh, In fact, oh, I was talking to Arden, my grandson, the other day. That's Serene's oldest son. And uh, he said that, you know, he's getting a new business ready for young men. They'll be doing a podcast soon what he's been doing a lot but they're not ready to launch it yet and he said nana we're calling it a good man's never stuck Mm. and where does that phrase come from it comes from my father who got it from his father my grandfather and uh, all growing up all my growing up years anything that was a challenge, anything that had to be fixed. And maybe he, you know, didn't know how to do it, but he'd find a way because he would say, a good man's never stuck. Well, that phrase came down from his father to him and his brothers. It got passed on to our family. I passed it on to our children. And uh, all our children have grown up with that phrase. And now... Our grandchildren, all the young grandsons, mm. they all know that phrase. It's just part of their DNA. A good man's never stuck. That's right. I love it. And they're it's living a good it. Phrase. They're living it out. I remember Vision 
vision broke down on the highway uh, not too long ago, leaving mm -hmm. a, uh, we, we had vacationed together. And on his way back, a couple of hours away from home, he completely broke down. And I thought, what in the world is he going to do? He'll have to get, you know, and, and he knew he, if he didn't know, he figured it out on what to do. Same with Cedar. He broke down too and had to redo his whole engine on the side of the road. And he was able to do it because he's been raised to do that. Yes, and, and then you see the opposite. Uh, a year or so ago, we had a young man living with us and, and uh, just staying with us, lovely young guy, um, and he borrowed our car. But um, then we got a, a call from him um, up in Dixon, you know, the town about half an hour away from us, saying, oh, can, can you please come? This car's got a flat tire. I don't know how to change it. I mean, you know, right. Right. we've got to get our young men knowing how to be young men, don't we? Mm. So I love that thought. Our sons growing up as plants in their youth. I love that passage too, don't you, in First John, um, talking how uh, John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, talks to the young men. It's amazing how God um, sort of... Um, you know, he pinpoints the young men and he says here, First John chapter 2, verse 13, I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that was from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. Mm. And I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the father. And again, he repeats it. And verse 14, I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Mm. So that is talking spiritually, but I believe it's in every aspect, um, because first that which is natural then that which is spiritual, the Bible says. And so he's saying, young men, you are strong. And uh, that's what young men are meant to be. They're not meant to be little wimps. They're meant to be strong physically and mentally and spiritually. You are strong and the word of God abides, abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Mm. They've learned to be strong in every area of their lives. That's right. That's right. Yes. So we're seeing, we're seeing, you know, I just was thinking about what we, uh, when we were in uh, Scotland. Scotland. Yes. We Remember there that day? It was so over cool. Over that beautiful river. And we noticed all the salmon were, were heading upstream, you know, and it's just so opposite of what is natural, what is easy. You know, it had been mm -hmm. easier to go downstream, right, with the with the stream, but we noticed that they were they were all going upstream, and you know most everyone knows why. And uh, but we we were sitting there looking at them, and I just had this thought. I said, "Wow, that's what we're doing with our children. We are raising salmon. We are raising countercultural, against the flow, uh, young people." And so anyway, we 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 talked when we were there. We said, "Let's." Let's do a, a podcast on this subject. And so I was thinking, you know, how do we raise strong, strong men, uh, young, young men? Uh, because it really is against culture. 
That's right? the thing. It's, it's not yes. what culture's teaching. It's against culture. But I noticed that day. Did you notice, Alison, how they didn't just come swim up that river and just jump up to the no. next part? Because they had to jump. This waterfall, oh. it was high. Mm. But they, I, was there any that got there on the first jump? Mm-mm. I don't think there was any. And we'll watch them jump and fall back into the river. And then they try again and they jump again. A- and they had to have many tries before they could actually get up. And I think there are some who never made it. Mm. And, and that's really what happens today. There's some who don't make it mm-hmm. because maybe they've only been trained to go with the flow, mm. to just go along with culture, to just be taken up with the tide. And um, we've got to encourage our children. Well, and you, see, oh. you see mothers that are just, you know, they're just going along with what their friends are doing. Or they'll yeah, even so ask, they're going with the tide. They'll even ask know. on Facebook, hey, can I ask a parenting question? Well, when you ask on Facebook, what do you think Facebook's going to say? It's going to oh. say exactly what culture's yes. doing yes and so for yes. raising you know salmon they jump uh, i was just looking they jump up to eight feet in the mm. air to get mm. over and they they travel you know nine what does it say here uh close to um nine thousand uh mile 900 miles that they'll travel you know nothing nothing's easy that's not no. in fact they, they they end up the mother will die when they get there, they're so exhausted from going upstream to lay their mm. eggs, but they go through that, you know, knowing that that's what they have to do. Uh, and yes. so that was just so inspiring. There's so many uh, visuals and so many um, analogies that we can uh, draw mm. from, from watching what salmon do. And so I was just thinking, you know, what are some things that we're doing that, that is countercultural? Um, and how do we raise them to be strong uh, one thing that I feel like it's it's very, uh, in fact, even in our Christian circle, we get a little bit of pushback is raising our children to be workers uh, six days a week, you know, that that um, not training them to just, you know, work their five day school day till three o'clock and then they're they're free. Um I think it's it's very important that we raise children. Actually, the Bible talks, and I wished I'd checked where the reference was before we came to this, but it talks about the man going out to work and coming home at evening time. Mm. You know, that's a day's work. Sure, sun It's up not to like sundown. half a day or three quarters of the day. It's a day's work. Mm. And that's the picture that God gives of the man coming home at evening time. It's six days mm. thou shalt work, and on the seventh thou shalt rest. Right. So really, right. we've got to have a rest day. And the only yes. way to do that is by doing it leading by example right as mothers and fathers we've got to do what we're teaching them to do because what we talked about in the last podcast of of um having your children's uh floor to be your ceiling well then that means we have to raise children raise adults that are better than where we are Mm -hmm. so if if that's going to happen you know number one we have to show it by example um but then also i was thinking you know man our children our our uh, littles, the, the, our littles and our bigs that we're raising, they're amazing. They really mm. are. And they have a lot of um, talents. Mm. And I don't think if we're 
babying and coddling and mothering our children to where we're just doing everything for them, we're never going to get out of them what is their, uh, their gifting, right? Mm. So in order to get our children's gifting out of them, we really have to let them do it. Um, and so that is something that something that we've done is really allowing them to, to run a household. You know, if we're raising mothers, well, what is a mother going to do? They're going to run their household. Well, then we need to be letting our daughters run our household, which means we can't micromanage them. You know, if I want them to get all the children ready for church, well, how is it helpful if I'm basically telling them, well, oh, no, 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 you've got to put that on them. In, in fact, do it this way. Well, let me just do it for you, right? No, you have to let them. Hey, I need you to get all the children ready. Surprise me on what they're wearing. Or I need the whole house cleaned. Do it the way you need to do it. Um, let them make those choices. And um, what will happen is you're going to find that your children have talents that they could have never practiced if you didn't allow them. So my girls are incredible cooks, but I don't cook at all. They won't let me cook because they say they cook so much better than me. And so how did they become good cooks? Well, I allowed them to do it. I allowed them, come up with your menu, come up with how you're going to do it, research, do your, you know, find good recipes, and then have fun, practice. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, Eden decided she's going to do this turkey this special way. Right, that she saw on Instagram. Oh, and it was so amazing all that she had to do and mm -hmm. how she was going to flatten it and how this special way to get in all the beautiful flavors. And, right. And uh, it turned out amazing. Right, and it, yes. I think it's because I've just allowed her to have that freedom. Mm. Or, or during the retreat when she'll cook for 800 people. Yeah, and I remember that time when uh, you... You had ordered all these foods and they did not come in that's time. Right, that's and so right. there you were. We've got all this 800 people coming for that retreat. We have more now. We had one and day to go shop. Yeah, for and, all and this there was food. no food. So you just tell Eden, okay, here's the credit card. Go to Sam's or Costco, wherever. She was, it was. probably 17 and, or 18. Yeah, and uh, just get the food. I need so, you to buy nine meals for 800 people yeah. now. No. And, and just sent her with my credit card. And, and she, she was about 18 years of oh, yeah. age. Then. Well, yeah. could you do that to most 18-year-olds? Right, no. where they would be so overwhelmed. Or they'd come home with things that you're like, oh, no, 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 no. We can't have that much of this. We needed this. But she was able to mathematically figure it out because mm. she's been buying our groceries for our family since she was, you know, 9 or 10 years old. I would just allow them to go into Walmart together and, hey, surprise me. Figure out what we're eating. Go figure out what we need to make and then make it. And I, I really do. I really, uh, I, I'm a huge delegator. Uh, you know, some could look at that as, as laziness, but trust me, I'm not lazy. I do lots and lots of other things, but I only do what only I can do. And mm -hmm. I let them do everything else. And to be honest with you, they can cook much better than I can. They can grocery shop much better than I can because we've allowed them to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and... This, this may be jumping ahead, but what does that mean in the, in the long run? Well, for our family, what it means is I have now cloned myself, right? I've cloned myself into better clones. And so now our business, instead of our business capping at, we photograph uh, 65 schools. Well, do the math. There's no way we as a 
couple can photograph 65 schools during that during the school year it's impossible and so because we've been able to clone our children to be better than us well they all are now doing their own schools which means daniel and i can we we don't have to say no to different in fact it's kind of sad sad but funny and great for us but i ran into our competition in the dentist office one day uh, so we have a huge photography studio. Well, there's one other photographer in our area and I ran into her one day and she just said, what, how do you do it? How are you able to do all these schools? You know, cause she's doing the same thing we are, but there's no way she can do the volume. And I just kind of laughed. I said, well, I gave birth to all my employees yeah. and she's like, that's how you do it. You, that's <laughs> That's amazing because she only had one child. Yes, and, and this she is didn't the thing. raise them. A to... lot of people will limit their children, That's right. saying, "I can only have two because I want to do this and I want to do oh, that." And even their... people who are serving the Lord, oh, but we wouldn't be able to serve the Lord or do this or do that if we have more oh, than these hogwash. one or two children. And what they don't realize is that they are shooting themselves in the Completely. foot because the more children you have. Well, that's what God said in the beginning. Oh, our the very income. first words he said to mankind, as we all know, be fruitful, multiply, mm. fill the earth. He didn't stop. Mm -mm. He kept going. He said, and subdue so and take dominion. dominion. Now, how are you going to take dominion? Only through having your children. The more children you have, the more dominion you will, you will take for God mm -hmm. or even in your own sphere of influence or even That's business. Right. We've absolutely dominated the uh, school photography market in, in, in our area in Florida just by sheer numbers. And you know, every business person can relate. It is hard to find good help. Yes. So what do you do? You raise your help. You just, you raise your children to be your replacement. I always say, you know, raising my replacements. I am, I am raising my replacements mm. and because one day they're going to take, they've already started taking over for us. Um, but it starts when they're little. You can't mm. just wait until they're 15 or 16 because that's what culture's doing. So if we're raising salmon, well, then we're raising we're raising adults to go against culture. So what does culture look like? Well, culture's raising children to, to work maybe five days a week. It's teaching them to get a job once they're out of the house. No, they don't need a job to get out of the house. They need a job in the house. In fact, I don't even encourage my unmarrieds to get out of the house. I'd much rather them be in the home and working for our family. Um, so... Uh, you know, we're allowing them to find what they're good at. You know, they, there's no way to find out what you're good at unless you're given a chance to do it. Mm. Uh, if, if dads are out doing their cars, well, bring your little five-year-old son with you. Hand him the, the wrench and let him change that tire. Because if they can't learn how to change a tire when they're five and seven and ten, well, when they're broken down on the side of the road, what are they going to do? They're going to have to call AAA or somebody to come bring them uh come change their tire uh during you know while we're putting this retreat on i don't put the retreat on myself all my children help me and i give them their jobs according to their gifting hmm. you know they're and they're all different hallie's really soft-spoken and quiet but she makes everything beautiful hmm. so why would i go decorate my house i don't decorate my house i let hallie do it because hmm. that's her specialty yeah. i don't even 
I don't even have to delegate uh, house cleaning. I just let McKenna do it. McKenna's our oldest and she's so good at it. So I'll say, hey, I need your help. Come over and help me delegate. Um, you know, when we're setting up photography sets, I don't create photography sets because I'm not that good at it. My girls are so much better than I am. So guess what? I give them the money and send them out shopping. They put together a photography set that's gorgeous. Um, and they're, and they have such pride in it. They're so proud of themselves. Yes. Um, oh, yes. but the, the results are incredible. Um, another interesting thing that happened to us is, uh, we had an accountant for 20 years that, um, ended up getting in trouble with the law. And so we had to let her go. Well, we were all in the middle of our busy season and all of a sudden we had no accountant. Well, I don't know anything about taxes, accounting, nothing like that. And so I had to do, I had to give the job to someone I trusted. Well, I trusted my Eden who's, you know, at the time she was what, 19 and she didn't know anything about accounting. Well, I sent her to our CPA, our CPA trained her and immediately she did our books and she kept all of our accounting for us. Now she does payroll. She does all of our taxes. She does all of our book work because I sent her to someone who was good. She didn't take a class on accounting. But she's doing accounting for our, you know, several hundred thousand dollar business because we just needed one. And so we raised her up to do that. Yes. And you had been employing an accountant before that. Right. And she does the job just as well. Oh, better. Better, better because I can trust her. Yeah. I can trust her. Yes. So uh, uh, yes. we can't limit our children. We've got See, to that use is the our... thing. We don't, I think we have to get out of the mindset that children, you know, young people have to go to college to learn something. No, um, <laughs> there are even better ways to learn. Mm. And often it's the need also that, okay, we've got to do this. No, mm. A lot of people will ask us, you know, give us some ideas on ways that we can let our children be entrepreneurs. So I'll throw out a few practical tips, you know, if you, but again, you have to make it for your family. Um, but something that we did early on was um, we love to go yard selling, garage selling, thrift store shopping. And so when McKenna was, she's our oldest, when she was probably 10, 11, we started garage selling with her and we would, we would buy a set of bunk beds. Well, she would take the bunk beds, wipe them down, take a picture of them and put them on in the newspaper and resell them for, let's say we paid $50 for them. She'd resell them for three or 400. Well, that just tripled, quadrupled your money. So then she'd take that $400, she'd go back garage selling because now that's her money, right? And she's 12 years old and she has $350 to spend. Well, she'll take it and go buy a dining room table. And so she, can, she flipped furniture and when she was 19, she had uh, saved uh, enough money to become a, a swim instructor, which was $12,000. Well, she had that money saved up by the time she was 19 just by flipping furniture. Mm -hmm. So furniture flipping's great. Um, you know, uh, obviously doing yards. My husband did pressure washing and painting and uh, things like that, home remodeling. You can teach your boys how to tile a floor or paint or pressure wash, and they can go and work for other people making between 50 and $100 an hour. Uh, there's no reason a young man couldn't make that Um we do, uh, we started, even when they're little, let them do a lemonade sale out in front of your house. You know, have them just put it out there, make homemade lemonade, and 
let them learn how to communicate with customers, um, growing produce, growing produce and mm. setting up a little farmer stand, um, having chickens, selling eggs. Um, uh, we, we've done, um, you know, you can take that and then turn it into a farmer's market one day, uh, selling things door to door. There is so much you can learn from selling things door to door. Uh, because you're learning how to communicate with a stranger. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, I would recommend probably going with them or sitting in the car. Don't go up to the door with them because, you know, you want them to learn how to talk to adults. Um, but we sold coupon books. We've sold mistletoe. We've, um, we've sold skepanons on our driveway. Um, you know, but think about how things that they're interested in and then let them make a business out of it. Help mm. them come up with the ways of coming up with a business name, coming up with a plan. Even if the business fails, which it may. Oh, yes. It's, yes. it's learning how to overcome objections. Um, so we're big believers in being self-employed. Obviously, it doesn't work for everyone, but I feel like it's, it's a really great, uh, great thing for a family to have a business. So. Oh, yes. And I'm thinking, you know... Our, we don't, as you say, that we find our giftings in our children as we allow them to do these things. I love that scripture, um, Isaiah 8, verse 18. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth in Mount Zion. Our children are for signs and wonders. Mm. And uh, that is in every realm. The words for the Hebrew words. Uh, let's have a look at those. Yes, the word for sign is uh, oath. And it means a sign, a signal, a banner, miraculous sign, a standard, a flag, a beacon, they are a banner of shining the image of God and all mm. that he has put in them. I love that scripture. Uh, my father would say it continually through our lives. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before kings. And it, it's not, you know, sending your children to college that makes a way for them. It's the gift God mm. has put in them. It's a man's gift that makes room for him mm. and uh, brings him before kings. Well, my father, he knew that in a little way. I mean, he was the way they, because we come from New Zealand, a sheep country. And of course, shearing is a big industry back in my country of New Zealand. And it was my father who designed the way that shearing is done today. He invented what was called the long blow and, and um, how he was able to shear the sheep so much faster and more effectively. And his expertise uh, brought him before kings. Well, not really kings, but queens. I mean, he um, shore before the Queen of England, who's now passed away on a number of occasions and met her, talked to her. In fact, he even had a royal command when she first came out to New Zealand on, after being queen. <clears throat> um, he and his brother, my Uncle Godfrey, uh, were asked to give this shearing demonstration before her. Mm. And 
she absolutely so loved it. She was taken up with it. But sadly, her husband, the Duke of Edinburgh, uh, was not there because we had had a tragedy in our nation and um, our big, uh, the train went, went from the north to the south. Back in those days, the steam engine, uh, it, uh, it had, well, the, the bridge was wiped out and so many were killed. And so he was at the funerals of so many of these people. Mm. And so she wanted him to see it so much. So they sent out a royal command because they didn't know where my father was. We went on holiday and nobody knew where we went. We didn't even know where we were going themselves. We were driving along in the car and my mother said, let's go here. And us children said, no, we want to go here. We wanted to go to Manamata Springs. Actually, that is the site of where they uh, have now, where they um, filmed The Lord of the Rings. Back in those days, it was these natural springs, and we just thought it would be so lovely to just, oh, every day, just live in these hot springs. So we were there, but no one knew where we were. And so they had to send out by radio in those days. We didn't even have TV. Um, Okay, anyone knowing the whereabouts of Ivan Bohm, please contact this number. So eventually the the people of the campground heard, wow, oh yes, he's in our campground. So they go and get him. He calls the number and it's a royal command from the queen mm. that she wants another shearing demonstration. Mm. And uh, so that was wow. quite amazing. And my father was also a preacher. So he often used this great illustration and he would say, I have had two royal commands in my life. One from the Queen of England. Wouldn't it be terrible if I hadn't obeyed her and said, oh, no, I can't be bothered. But no, it was a privilege to obey her and to do Mm. this for her. But I've also had a royal command from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who commands all men everywhere to repent. And, of course, I've obeyed that command too. Mm. (laughs) Great message. But anyway, it is true that, you know, um, it is the gifts in our children mm. that will open up doors for them. And, and what you are sharing about is, is giving opportunity for their mm. gifts to develop. Yes, and then and I- wonders, the, word, the Hebrew word is mofeth, and it mm. means a miracle, a special display of God's power. Mm. And uh, that's what God wants to do in our children. He wants to display who he is and what he has put Mm. in them. And it's all miraculous because it comes from God. I look at the gifts in our children and think, help, they didn't get that from me. Mm -hmm. I mean, they got it from God. That's right. Yes. We can't even take credit for it, can we? Mm. We've just got to be uh, those who will uh, just encourage that's right and and i think we have to be wise you know we were talking earlier before the podcast just about how uh how we're seeing uh families lose their children you know lose their hearts i think it's so important to keep our children's hearts well you can't keep your children's hearts if you don't have your children think about that if they're always gone that's if so they're in true. the car and they're with their friends and they're playing sports and then they're working outside the house at the local coffee shop and you don't have your children present, it's almost impossible to have their hearts because guess who has their hearts? Their youth pastor. 
their friends and their coworkers. Mm. You know, the Bible talks about to, to bring the fathers to the children and the children to mm. the father. Well, you can't do that if your children are not with you. That's and so how so do you do true. that? Well, you allow an opportunity for them to work in the mm. family business. And if you don't have a family business, well, you start one, you create one. Um, I was thinking, you know, just in my life, I waited tables and probably the worst experiences and the worst influence as I had was in the restaurant world. And, you know, everyone wants to kind of be a, they want to be a, uh, a part of something. They want to belong. Well, do we want our children belonging in the restaurant world where all they're really doing is going along with culture? If we're truly raising Sam and we're raising children that don't mind to stand up and say, Ooh, I don't look at that on my phone. I don't, uh, you know, I don't work just five days of work uh, a week. I, I am a, I'm a work. If that's the kind of young people we're trying to raise, then we shouldn't want to put them in that workplace. And the only way to do that is by intentionally helping them, uh, come up with a business idea on their own, um, Man, it's just, it's so important. And I'm, I'm reaping the benefits of this so I can really, I feel like speak from experience because I have littles, but then I have bigs that have, have arrived at adulthood and they're doing it. They're actually, you know, owning their own business. They're raising their children themselves so much better than even I raised mine mm. you know and so i just really encourage people to uh yes and i'm thinking even this morning before we got to this podcast we went downstairs okay this big room we've got to clean it up mm. and uh, so all your little little ones came down i mean you know nine seven five you mm. know and uh well, you didn't have to ask them. They right. just got brooms. They knew how to sweep and sweep around and under the sofas and under this and that. And it's just so great to see because I've had other children come in mm. to my home. And, uh, you know, I, I remember one time I had some children, part of a family who came. And mm. uh, it was time to, you know, do the dishes after the meal well, they actually ran and hid they, they, I, because they just didn't want to have anything to do with it. Well, they didn't even know how. Mm. They, they just didn't know how. Mm. Some don't even know how to sweep. Oh, yes, they'll sweep, mm. sweep around things. They don't know. You, you pull out mm. the sofa. You pull out this. You sweep behind. You get to the edges. They've never been taught mm. these things. That's right. One, one thing I think will be, uh, you know, we should definitely mention is is purposely aligning your family with friends and other families that mm. feel the same way they that you do on this topic. I love, you know, I love coming here and getting to hang out with other families that when we say, hey, let's do a project for Nan and Granddad, like right now they're working on the pump house uh, roof or, um, you know, we've been working on a few projects, not as many as we normally do, but how much more fun is it to be with other families who are also raising their children that way? Because then your children aren't pulled saying, oh, well, my friends are down there playing volleyball, but I'm up here 
scrubbing Nana's floor. You know, <laughs> wouldn't it be a lot more fun to say, hey, guys, let's work together and scrub Nana's floor or paint, finish painting this bedroom, and then we'll all go play volleyball together. There's nothing wrong with having fun. You know, please don't misunderstand. We have lots and lots of fun as a family, but we do it together because we work together. But we also choose friends that are also raising their children to work hard. We, mm-hmm. we, we, we do have some friends that are not hard workers, but our children would prefer to hang out with their friends. And that's why going back to our family camp, if we can plug that real quick, where have we met friends that are mm-hmm. raising their children in this way? We've met them all at Above Ruby's family camps. Mm-hmm. We, we, three times a year, we get together in um, Panama City with other you know, sometimes a hundred plus families and all of them are, their goal is they're trying to raise godly adults. Well, the best way to do that is by being around other families that are also raising godly adults. And so I really encourage you guys out there, you mothers to align yourself. And if you're feeling like, I don't even have one family like that. Well, then you need to put on your Christmas list that you want to come to the Above Ruby's family camp and meet another family like that. And sometimes that means driving and spending a couple hours driving to go visit that family because you don't have any that live in your town. But go, you know, here at the Hilltop, you guys are so blessed. Not everybody has that, you know, in their own community. And so we have had to create a community mm-hmm. and we've done that through the family camp. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we want our, our children to be the ones that everyone wants to hire. Ooh, I want the Hartman children to come stay with me because they're going to leave the place the way they found it or better, or they're going to work hard and they're going to help clean up after the kitchen after I make dinner. Um, because that's how we've raised them. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, I trust you have been blessed ladies. Our time has gone again. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for families. We thank you that this is the way you designed for us to live. I pray your blessing on every family listening. Father, I pray that you will strengthen them uh, in their purpose as they raise their children. Lord, give them purpose Uh, Lord, I pray that you will put creative ideas in their hearts and in their minds, that, Lord, that you will give them strategies for their family because every family is unique. Lord, we don't expect families to just, um, you know, do what another family is doing because everyone is unique. Just as every child you have given to us is unique, every family is unique. And we thank you for that, for the, just the uniqueness and blessing of every family. Mm-hmm. And pray, Lord, that you will bless them and uh, they will be able to just live to the fullness of your purposes for them. And, Lord, you'll just enable them to just to bring encouragement to their children, to just enhance the gifts that you have given to them. And above all, Lord, we pray that they will become God-fearing, praying families, Lord, who are affecting this, uh, this culture for you, Lord. Save us from being families who just go along with the culture of this world. But Lord, we will be those who have 
biblical worldviews and uh, are just, Lord, just going according to Bible culture. Help us, Lord, to do that which your word says, not just what society says. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. In that-